Welcome to the Together Sober Podcast. I am your host, Louise Barnett, former Fortune 100 Global Sales Director turned Jay Shetty Accredited Life Coach. Each week, we will provide you a safe space of guidance, empathy, accountability, and support, helping you to find effortless sobriety and mental peace. You know the whole concept of paying it forward? That's exactly what Hit Subscribe does. It sends a message to the universe, to people who need to hear the lessons and the tools from the Together Sober podcast. Hit subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Together Sober podcast, where my mission every single week is to create survival guides out of our collective stories and conversations in an effort to find lasting and effortless sobriety. (sighs) Today is a pretty big milestone and it also marks a bit of a new beginning. Today is episode 100 (laughs) of the Together Sober podcast and also a year exactly um, since the podcast was launched. And this is a journey that I took on that I knew would be a passion project. I knew would be something near and dear to my heart. And I kind of went in with no agenda. Um, I mean, I had a mission. I had an idea of what I wanted to share and help with. But I was really open to the idea of the evolution of the content and and the formatting and, and what it would look like. And... Over the course of a year, oh my God, we've done over 50 interviews uh, with individuals from all walks of life, all stories of recovery, all drug choices. Uh, it's just been incredible how much I've learned, um, how many new connections that I've been so grateful to make. Connection really, truly is the opposite of addiction in so many ways. And I feel that this podcast has done that for me. And I know it's done that for, you know, thousands and thousands of others as well at this point. In today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about a new beginning for me. Um, The podcast is going to take a little bit of a break. After today's episode, I just feel like I need it. Nothing in particular, but I just feel like I need it. Um, It also occurred to me that um, podcasts are supposed to have seasons. (laughs) And maybe you shouldn't go to 100 episodes without uh, changing seasons. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, But a few episodes ago, I, I shared with you a little bit of a view into my mind as I was experiencing a couple months of mania um, with my both bipolar and a couple months of, you know, medicated and secured mania and kind of what that looks like versus what this kind of stereotypical 
mania looks like. Um, and I said to you, so just for a frame of reference, I was manic from about August to September of 23. Um, and I recorded the episode, I think sometime in September. And I said in that episode, I'm going to let you know, like what happens? Am I going down? Am I staying up? Like, am I plummeting down? Am I going to baseline? Like, I have no idea. And I said that I would let you know. Well, uh, a pretty abrupt two weeks later, I crashed. Um, So for everyone, you know, all this stuff looks different. We know that. Um, And for me, depression can oftentimes start with and look like a lot of irritability, short fused um, anger, things of that nature before it gets to that, again, more stereotypical, like sadness, can't get out of bed kind of situation. And so, you know, I recorded that episode and it probably wasn't like, you know, 10 to 14 days later that there was a stark difference. And, and I, I do quite literally mean almost overnight difference um, in the way my mind was just processing everything um, and receiving the world. So I went from one side of the spectrum to loving everything about my life, being so happy, loving my job, feeling on top of the world, wanting to socialize, you know, feeling physically great about myself, buying lots of things, constantly cooking for my family, like just like life was grand. Um, And within a matter of a couple of days, my outlook just completely changed. Like there was not a single thing that didn't upset me or annoy me or irritate me. I started communicating to people that I care about in really just horrible ways. Like just my husband's probably the first that gets it right. Just kind of that short fuse, short temper. I felt no inclination to do anything social. I, I actually don't remember last time I cooked for my family. Um, and you know, in my work life started to actually like treat like you know, incoming students to the school, treat people on my leadership team, treat people on my own team, like with just like blatant disrespect. Um, Pretty kind of like shocking, alarming, like, did she just say that? Like, did that just come out of her mouth? You know, like that kind of commentary. And it's like, I know it's happening, but I can't, like control it. That's the, that's why I do DBT therapy to like help me with my emotional regulation. But, you know, it got to the point where like, I felt like I had this, like, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. This like cloak, really heavy cloak, like super glued to my back. And it didn't matter like how hard I pushed or what direction I tried to run in this just big, heavy cloak just was like stuck to me. Um, And I couldn't get it off no matter what I did. It didn't matter how intently I did my miracle morning or, you know, how much rest I got or how much I talked about it in therapy. Like it was like, I just couldn't shake this thing. Um, And I had awareness around the fact that like I was in a different mindset, but I kind of like will come up with excuses as to why I'm feeling that way. Like, 
oh, well, you know, the weather is changing or, oh, well, I wasn't physically feeling well. So that's why. And like, it just doesn't really occur to me in the moment that like, oh, I'm headed into a depression. Like that just wasn't the first thing that came into my mind. Um, so unfortunately, you know, I went on a couple of weeks, not to the point where it got dangerously low where I was a year ago, but to the point where it just was like not manageable. Um, and to the point where outside people are pointing it out to me, right? Not just my husband, like people I work with and interact with. So after some pretty hard, you know, reflection in the mirror and kind of really having other people put a mirror up to my own face, I realized that I was headed south. Um, I was headed south and I didn't know what to do. My first instinct and thought was, well, this is just how I am. I'm bipolar, suck it up, deal with it. See you on the other side, right? Because with mania, I don't do anything. I love it. I enjoy it, right? Um, so that was kind of my first thought was like, well, I guess I'm just here. I guess I'm just going to have to suck this up. And then I remember the promise I made to myself, which was that if I did go into a depression, that I was going to seek ketamine treatment. That has been the plan all along. And so I reached out to my psychiatrist, the one who I had just seen three weeks earlier, telling him I was on top of the world. And I kind of told him what was going on. And in putting these pieces together, it also became really clear that I do have a pattern of behavior. Um, a lot of bipolars will decline when summer ends, fall ends, headed into winter. The seasonality of things can be really hard for a bipolar brain. And when I look at my life last year, in October, I started to go down south pretty quickly. Um, and by February, I was like kind of in crisis mode. Um, and so in looking at that pattern of behavior, I said, oh, yeah, okay, this is this is me. And, you know, I think the hard thing in understanding who we are is, if you're somebody that's coming off of years of addiction, right? So 20 years of addiction, I've known about my bipolar for a decade, but only three of those years have been in sobriety. And so in many ways, I'm still really just learning about myself and about how bipolar affects my, my sober brain. And, you know, the first year was kind of just like, observation slash survival, right? Um, I was just trying to get sober. Like I wasn't even trying to manage my bipolar. Um, and then the second year was a little bit more observation, but a, a lot more reactive, right? So it, I wasn't really able to get in front of things. And then this year, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a hybrid of both, to be honest, but this year I'm able to a little bit start that proactive work. Um, and I think by next year, hopefully, you know, I'm going to know October is when I go down. So I'm probably going to proactively do some ketamine before it even starts. Um, so it's pretty interesting um, to kind of be in a position, like I think a lot of us consider mental health something that is completely out of our control. And I think in a lot of ways, if we can really be introspective and take that mirror and look at ourselves and examine ourselves and look at patterns of behavior 
there there is a degree to which we can maintain some kind of control right or at least just like i'm still in the driver's seat right and so in talking to dr h um we agreed that a ketamine treatment would be the best thing we talked about also trying like lamotrigine or lamictal or like some kind of other medication um for me i just don't really have any interest in that if if i can avoid it um for me it would kind of be a last resort to to take another medication a lot of it is to do with the fact that i for the past two years have taken just a so much medication for my physical ailments. And I just am trying to strip things down to be as minimalistic as possible. Um, also with these medications, they tend to require a lot of guess and check work. And I, I don't want to do that. Um, it can be really uncomfortable and I don't want to do that if I can avoid it. Um, and then the third reason was, uh, my family's traveling overseas for the next like two and a half, three weeks. And I felt like I needed to take action, but maybe starting a new medication when you're out of your own environment probably isn't the best thing to do. Um, because there's just so many variables. So I did my first ketamine treatment. Um, I think I talked to him on a Saturday. Yeah. And they fit me on Wednesday to do my first ketamine treatment. And I didn't entirely know what to expect. I have some experience with psychedelics on a recreational level from my college years, um, but certainly not any time in the recent past. I knew that I was going to be going on some kind of a journey, some kind of hallucinogenic journey. I had a lot of fear around being physically sick, nauseous, dizzy. Um, and then I had a lot of hope just based on what my doctors shared with me, what I've researched, what people have told me about how this ketamine treatment can, can really help rewire the synapses in your brain. So I went in, I had a session with my psychiatrist and I went into a really quiet room, beautiful reclined seat. I brought my robe, my blanket, my like, you know, comfy slippers, um, just to kind of feel at peace and feel comfortable. And I started my journey. The journey itself took about an hour and it was beautiful. Um, it was, it was beautiful. Uh, I, I really just equate it to like flowing in a river and, you know, every three or four minutes as the music would change, I would transition into a new place, a new state of mind, a new emotion, a new color, a new image. And I did a lot of crying. I know when I took off my eye goggles, cause you're you're supposed to keep your eyes closed the whole time. When I took off my eye goggles, the foam was like literally dripping wet, like soaked from tears. Um, and I did a lot of laughing out loud, <laughs> like hysterical laughing. Um, there were really peaceful moments, really happy moments, really just like confusing moments. Like, I just don't know what that was. Um, a lot of color and imagery, it became abundantly clear to me that the safest color for me is teal. 
and that a very happy color for me is yellow and a color of warning is red. I spent a lot of time dancing around and being around Indian culture, Buddhist culture, a little bit of time in Japan. And I was on a small enough dose. I don't actually know the exact dose, but I was on a small enough dose, A, because it was my first time and B, because we felt like we caught my depression before it like went off the deep end. Um, and so basically my state of consciousness was that I could like actively recall for myself, I am on this journey. I am in a chair right now in my doctor's office. Like I hadn't completely gone off um, the realm of reality. Um, and what that also meant was I was actively trying to allow the journey to lead me. But as somebody that is naturally controlling, I found myself kind of dancing back and forth between like leading the journey and then also just saying, hey, release, 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 sit back, sit, sit back. Um, so it was pretty profound. You know, I don't have any like great revelations coming out of it. I think it's something that's a really special experience that I want to continue to remember, to reflect on, to include in my morning journaling. And I finished the journey. I was extremely dizzy. I was also just coming off of a stomach bug. <laughs> so that probably didn't help. Um, but I do tend to get very dizzy. Um, so I was extremely nauseous for like that day kind of thing. I think my journey was at one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, my husband drove. Um, and then so I basically just kind of like felt pretty tired and like dizzy for that night. So I didn't really feel anything different. Um, the next day I felt pretty numb. I felt pretty like just blah is the best word that I could use to describe it. Like I, I had a day that day at work actually had a really, really successful day. Sometimes I can make upwards of four or $5,000 in a day and I had one of those days and it was like, I, I was numb. Like I did not care. Um, and, and that is something that typically motivates me. Um, and it was like, you're supposed to get a dopamine hit, right. When you have those wins. And it was like, I didn't, I didn't receive that. And there were a few other examples that day that was just like blank slate, just complete blank slate. And, you know, my doctor said, um, you know, it's okay. Like everybody's different. Like sometimes it can take, you know, a couple days to kick in. Maybe we need to do a second treatment. Let's just see how you feel the next day. And so I said, okay, no worries. You know, I didn't feel bad, but I definitely just didn't feel any better. Um, actually on that first day, the one thing that I noticed that was a little bit better was my nervous system. So if I'm in a situation that's giving me anxiety or causing frustration or anger or something like that, my heart will just like start to pound out of my chest. And I noticed I was in a meeting where somebody said something that was just like, I didn't agree with it. And it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And normally what happens, I bite my tongue, but internally my heart is pounding out of my chest. And I did notice that in that instance, like I, I didn't have that physical reaction. 
I still disagreed with what the person said. I didn't like it, but like my physical body didn't react in the way that it, it typically does. So I thought that was the like one notable thing. So then the very next day, it's seven o'clock in the morning and I had already started my work day and I had just one of these incredible connections with a human being and was able to welcome them to the school and bam, it happened. Like I felt the dopamine hit. I felt the happiness, the excited, the elation, the celebration, like I felt it all. And it was like, right in that moment, I was then motivated to keep going and excited to be where I was. And like, for me, this job that I've had for seven months is a big part of my life, right? I work like six hours a day. That's a big part of my day. And to actually feel again, like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I'm so excited to be here. I love my team. I love, you know, it's like everything just came back. Um, not in an elevated way, but more just like in what I would describe as like, this is how it's supposed to be, right? Um, and I was kind of like cautious that whole day, like, is this real? Is this really happening? But then even when I was driving, I just, it that cloak that was on me, it flew away. The, the covering over my eyes, when I start to get depressed, like just the heaviness, the, like the sun literally came out and started shining on me. Um, and it was like, everything was just back. I could feel everything. I could smell everything. I could see everything, cook dinner for my family. Like everything was back. And today's Sunday and this would have been Friday. So only a couple of days ago, you guys. Um, and I just feel balanced right now. I feel that this is how things are supposed to be. I can breathe. I feel happy. I feel a natural amount of motivation and excitement for things. I cooked dinner for my family. I cooked breakfast for my family today. You know, all of these things that are the first things to fall off the table are now back on the table. And I don't know what the future holds, if this is a treatment that will hopefully last me for several months, maybe even a year. Um, we travel out of the country next week for two and a half weeks. We'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll need another treatment. I'm not sure. What I do know is that I have an acute awareness and the ability to look at what's happening in my life and look at how I'm receiving information and to remind myself that I don't have to feel this way. And I think that was the biggest pivot or change for me with this depression was that it occurred to me that I do not have to feel this way. This does not have to be my normal. A bipolar person does not have to experience these extreme highs and extreme lows in that way that's painful and damaging I had a choice and that was the most freeing thing ever to realize that there was actually something I could do about this so the new beginning I'm talking about as we wrap up episode 100 of the together sober podcast is just a new beginning of discovering what baseline looks like 
you know, I think I've done a really great job of understanding what mania looks like. I know what depression looks like, but what does baseline look like? Um, and I think the same goes for our recovery journey as well, right? We know what it looks like in the chaos of addiction. We know what it looks like in the struggle of recovery. And then what about when we get out of all of that messy middle and we just need to discover who we are? So I'm going to be taking some time to really be taking a deep dive to recover and discover just who I am at my baseline. What does that look and feel like? And making sure that I'm taking a microscope to myself to be proactive. My goal is to be proactive with all of these emotions so that we don't get to a place of distress and unhappiness and distress for my family. So together, Sobler listeners, I hope that you take these stories. I hope that you revisit them. I hope that you haven't listened to all of them yet and you go back and start listening to them because there is a small piece of every single one of these episodes and every single one of these interviews and stories that is a window into what your normal looks like, what your baseline looks like. And after we get through the highs of addiction and the lows of recovery, we need to just live. And that's what I intend to do. I intend to make alcohol one of the smallest things in my life. I intend to make these labels something small in my life so that I can just determine what life actually is. Return to baseline, establish baseline, and just live my life. And thank you to all of you who have listened, to all of you who have interviewed with me. You have given me so much wisdom, so much insight, so much knowledge that very selfishly have helped me on my own journey. And I'm so indebted to you and grateful for you for all the lessons that you have given me. So thank you to each and every one of you together. Sober listeners, I don't know when we'll be back, but you'll hear from us next time with another story. If you're still listening right now, I'm going to assume that you really liked this episode. And if that's the case, can you please go ahead and rate and review the Together Sober podcast? What this does is organically puts the podcast into more listeners' ears, thus creating more lasting and effortless sobriety and mental peace for others.